Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, it's National Gardening Week. In fact, well, it's felt a bit like National Gardening Month, hasn't it? With many of us lucky enough to have gardens at last having the time to get out into them. Which is good news for our health, both physical and mental. If you're missing your sessions down the gym, you'll be delighted to know that gardening uses as many calories per hour as badminton, volleyball or yoga and has the added benefit of perhaps producing some health-boosting fresh fruit and veg too. And at a time when many of us are feeling isolated, anxious or depressed, gardening might be able to help. Research studies linked gardening with a significant reduction in depression and anxiety and the University of Exeter Medical School research showed that people living near to green space reported less mental distress. But gardening isn't without its challenges, which is why Belinda got in touch to ask for help with home composting. Now, some local authorities have suspended green waste collections, although we're lucky enough here in St Albans to still have our green waste collection. However, the household waste sites are shut, so we can't take our extra green waste there. And the council has asked us not to have bonfires. There's evidence linking air pollution with increased risk of severe symptoms from COVID-19. And anyway, with everyone at home, often with their gardens as their only form of escape, It's not going to be popular, you filling the street with smoke. All of which means that following your lockdown garden blitz, you've got heaps of garden waste and home composting would seem like a win-win. Gets rid of that pile of prunings and weeds and provides you with free compost, which isn't so easy to get hold of at the moment. And anyway, well, we all know that compost is one of those good things that we would do if only we had the time and the expertise. So, if lockdown has given you the time, let's see if the show today can give you a bit of expertise. Following my plea on the Environment Matters Facebook page for a keen composter to come forward and share some expertise, a listener put me in touch with master composter John Cosham. John practices the dark art of composting up in York and he joined me online. I started by asking John how to get started. Am I best to buy a compost bin? And if so, what sort? You can, if you wish, buy a compost bin or make a compost bin and it keeps it tidy. Your local authority might have a deal with Get Composting and they'll be able to sell you a a cheap compost bin, which us composters call Daleks because they're they're slightly conical. Uh, But you you can make a compost bin out of anything you like, really, uh, pallets or old doors or, you know, some disused windows, whatever, just so it's got sides and doesn't spread out too much it is to just contain it but also it helps it retain moisture because the important things about getting a compost heap going are that it gets oxygen into all parts of it and that it has enough moisture to let the bacteria and fungi and organisms grow and breathe and it's not not getting waterlogged which excludes the air and not getting dry which means things don't live as well okay it's a small compost heap a possibility is that better or or should we go for something as big as we've got space for small compost heaps are, are generally not quite as good because sometimes having a large volume is is really good 
is it starts to build up a bit of uh, warmth as it decays because the the organisms give off a little bit of heat and if you've got a large volume you can get up to quite a high temperature but small compost heaps are fine um, you can have a small compost heap in a box and call it a wormery if you like so you can buy wormeries or make your own stacking wormery all the uh, designs are on the web or you could get a, a, a very expensive compost bin called a hot bin, which is very small, but it's insulated and it will easily get any content up to 60 or 70 degrees C and sterilise cooked food so you can comp compost meat very easily, uh, you know, chicken bones, that kind of thing. Um, and the, the hot bin is a, a, a very, very good piece of kit. Uh, expensive though yeah okay but it sounds like it could be an answer if you were quite short of quite short of space there um so it sounds from what you're saying as if we need to try and site our compost bin somewhere quite warm so somewhere in the sunshine rather than in the shade compost will will work in the shade if you have a, a sunny spot and you want to put your compost bin there it certainly will help speed things up just to talk about, go back to the space issues, some people find that having a tumbler is, is quite a good thing and they don't take up as much space and they compost the stuff really quickly because as you turn it, uh, oxygen gets added to the centre of the pile. Fantastic. People often worried about rats. There is a bit of a rat problem around here. How do we minimise the problem with rats? Yes, the, the compost tumblers are an ideal way of stopping rats getting to the, the fresh food that you put in. I, I sometimes cite a Dalek bin on top of some chicken wire and kind of push it into the soil on top of some chicken wire and that stops them. Or if you're going onto the Get Composting website, you can buy a, a compost bin base and that will reduce the ability of rats to get in. However, rats are very clever and they will get into anything that they actually want to eventually. And so what they don't like is disturbance. So if you see any evidence of rats, put a, a, a fork into the heap and mix it up and kick the bin as you walk past. They don't like that. And they'll, they'll move off and go and go somewhere a bit more peaceful. Okay, that sounds like a great tip there. So how about, as I say, we've, we've got perhaps some, some woody trimmings or something like that. Um, do we have to, some people say that you should shred these things beforehand? Do you have to chop everything up before putting it into a compost bin? The, the bacteria and fungi tend to work on, the, on surfaces, initially at least, and then they, they will grow through things. But if you've got a, a woody bits as, as, as thick as your little finger, then ideally you would break those up a little bit. So you can stand there with the secateurs and chop them into lengths, into little lengths if you like. Or if you've got something a bit bigger, uh, you can have some fun with a hammer and just go, go down the length of the item and break it up with a hammer and just you know just break it break up the fibers a bit so that stuff can get in i've actually got an electric shredder and it'll break up anything really quite thick branches into half crushed half cut chunks and that, that composts down really really well but if you put whole sticks in they will slowly rot but you're when you've got finished compost you'll dig out the finished compost and then these whole sticks will be in there partly decomposed and you'll put them back in the next bin so you just put them back in the next compost 
and they add some inoculum, some uh, fungi and bacteria to the next mix. Okay, so so you don't a shredder or something would help, but you don't have to have that. You can manage with that. So no. um, so how about grass clippings? That's another thing that people often have trouble with. Big pile of grass clippings. Can we put those straight into the compost heap? Well, you can. If you put all the grass mowings all in together, they will heat up very, very rapidly and then go anaerobic and slimy, showing that you haven't got enough oxygen. So if you've got grass clippings, put them in with layers of cardboard and sticks and twigs and balls of paper, uh, newspaper, that kind of thing, and, and try and separate them out a little bit with materials that allow air to get in. The other thing you can do is you can leave the grass cuttings out on a, on a dry surface and let them dry off a little bit. Or you can, once, once they're in there and you've got some woody, um, cardboardy, wood chip sawdust stuff in there, then the carbon rich stuff, then every few days go in there with a fork and mix it up and that will add air to the mix and allow some of the water vapor to come out of the mix and and that'll help it rot down do that with anything you know anything you've got in there if you bung a fork in once a week and give it a good old wriggle it, it helps break up any lumps and get air into the mass fantastic okay so um i've, I've got my compost heap i've put all my stuff in i've cut it up a little bit um I've, I've kept on giving it a wiggle with a with a fork when could i expect my compost to be ready how long does it take compost takes a long time so what i do is i fill up a bin with kitchen waste and bits of garden waste over about a year and then after about a year it's it's full and I open the lid and think I'm not going to get this next kitchen caddy worth of stuff on in which case I then put the the material into the next compost bin next to it and that becomes completely full of mixed partly decomposed and fully decomposed stuff full of worms usually and then I put the lid on that and forget about it. Sometimes I put some rainwater or urine on it just to keep it uh, going. And I then fill up compost bin number one again over the next year. By the time that is full again, at the end of year two, the second bin will have rotted down to about two thirds or a half of its original full volume. And that will be ready to use. So most of my compost bins are in pairs. So it sounds like it's actually quite a, a long term activity. But actually what you end up with is such fabulous stuff that uh, it's worth the effort. Yes, um, compost is really good for wildlife in the garden. But you get uh, birds coming along and picking at the edges of the heap. You get amphibians. And if you're very lucky down south, you might get some reptiles like slow worms or grass snakes in it. Um, it's excellent for wildlife and of course all the flies that come off because sometimes you get a few a few fruit flies and things coming off they just form blue tip food and, and spider food so they're good for the environment as well i always think that when i'm making compost i'm turning rubbish into robins it's also good for the soil because it helps with fertility and conservation of moisture and best of all it actually reduces your carbon footprint so you're sequestering carbon uh, by making compost. Wonderful. So not only is making your own compost a great way of getting rid of your, your garden waste, not only is it great for wildlife, it's actually your own little carbon sequestration project as well. John, thank you very yeah. much indeed for sharing your expertise with us today. 
I was talking there to John Cosham, and John invited anyone interested in finding out more about composting to join the Facebook group Compost John's York Rotters. Now, he assured me that you can be a St Albans rotter rather than a York rotter, and that you're welcome to put your questions to the group or share photos of your composting exploits with an appreciative audience. And you'll be pleased to know that Hertfordshire Waste Aware has indeed teamed up with Get Composting to give you discounts on compost bins. Um, Take a look at getcomposting.com where you'll find the standard Dalek-shaped bins, the tumbler bins and the hot bins that John was talking about. And on the same website, you'll find subsidised water bites, which could be a good thing to stock up on um, getting ready for the drier months. And talking of that, um, to mark National Gardening Week, Affinity Water are calling on plants to be labelled to show their resistance to drought and asking us gardeners to think about whether we need to water our gardens so much. Jake Rigg, the Director of Corporate Affairs and Communities for Affinity Water, said that public education was now at the forefront of how water companies in the UK would be countering the challenges that climate change will present and the gardeners had a really important role to play. Although our water resources are in a good position following heavy winter rainfall, he says, it is still important to save water, especially in the garden, to ensure a sustainable future. National Gardening Week gives all of us a chance to reflect on whether we should be watering our gardens so often and to think about buying dry weather resistant plants when planning our gardens. Um, And you can find information on gardening tips on the Affinity Water website if you go to Affinity Water and look in the Save Water section under Gardening Tips. Now, normally at this time of year, I'd be telling you about the wonderful local gardens that you could visit through the National Garden Scheme. You remember that anyone with a garden that meets the NGS inspector's approval can open their gardens to raise money for a charity of their choice, and the charity is supported by the NGS. Many of these um, are nursing charities that really need our support at this time. And what the NGS have done is created virtual garden tours with the garden owners providing insights into how the gardens have been designed and grown. In return for watching these, we're asked for a donation. Go to ngs.org.uk to take a tour, I mean just for fun, or to get some inspiration for your own garden. And the Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust are continuing their Wild at Home programme, this week looking at things of the night. And providing nest boxes, water and flowers for bats are just some of the ways that we can make our gardens more wildlife friendly. If you search for Hearts and Middlesex Wildlife Trust um, gardening, you'll find a whole range of resources from a wild bee action pack to feeding birds and helping hedgehogs. I mean, there really are some great little projects that you Um, other kids could get stuck into. If your type of gardening is growing your own veg, then head to the Food Smiles St Albans website. Now, you'll remember that Food Smiles is a local veg growing cooperative. And on their website, you can take their one plant challenge um, and you can find advice on where to find seeds and plants during lockdown. Not only that, but there's a wealth of advice in their blog archive covering really useful things like how to stop slugs and snails wrecking your vegetable crops. 
And as conditions for growing, things like soil, rainfall, temperature, are different in different parts of the country, it's particularly helpful to have advice from um, a local group gardening under the same conditions as you are. So do take a look at foodsmarsaintalbans.org.uk. And a big thumbs up to local garden centre, Aylet's Nurseries, who are helping schools that are still open to take part in National Garden Week um, with donations of plants and compost so that kids can get a dose of fresh air whilst getting their hands dirty and learning about where their food comes from. Um, And whilst Aylet's is shut for visitors, they are taking orders for delivery. As our Burston Tyler Garden Centre, they've put together... Um, packs of some of their most popular products um, which they will then deliver to you and one of these is um, bags of peat-free compost and sets of baby vegetables to get your veg growing off to a flying start that's at Burston Tyler Garden Centre. There's also lots of gardening advice on the podcast page of the Radio Verulam website. You can listen to gardening author Zia Alloway with advice on gardening for well-being, and you can hear from Kate Swindells and Nadia Bishara, both local women, about their efforts to get St Albans growing in lockdown. Now, it's always good to hear from you. You can get in touch via Twitter at RV underscore environment or the Environment Matters Facebook page or you can drop me a line on amanda at radioverilum.com if you've got a comment about the show or ideas that you'd like us to cover. I'll be back at the same time next week but until then, thank you for listening.